Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for your love that has transformed us. We thank you for taking our ashes and giving us a beauty. We thank you for wisdom, for knowledge and understanding. We thank you for a contrite heart. We thank you for the grace to stay in your presence. We thank you that you have shed abroad in our hearts your love. We thank you that we can call you Father and that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion this evening. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Uh, we thank God for another opportunity, another time to continue our study on love. Thank God most importantly for the gift of life. And remember, you must always work that it for you to accomplish it. Don't think you have no time. Don't think time is on your side. That person that God has told you to forgive, there is a season in which you can do that. That person that God has told you to show love to, that person that God has told you to help, there is a season in which you should be able to do that. If you miss that season, you disobey God. So don't think that when God gives you a word, the word will be there throughout. So even Jesus told Judas that whatever you have said to do, <laughs> go and do it quickly. Whatever you have said to do, go and do it quickly because there's a season and a time to every instruction that God has given you. And for us on this podcast, God's word to us is love. And remember, when God is speaking to you, he's speaking to you. So please, as Benji is speaking, don't be imagining your sibling or your friend or your brother or your sister who is walking out of love. God is speaking to you. And remember also that when God is speaking to you, he's not just informing you, but he's giving you something. So as Benji shares on love with us, God is ministering to us the grace to walk in love. So tonight is our final episode of a series on love, and we will have Benji to continue his expose on love as we close Kettle Down on Love. Benji. Okay, thank you very much for this opportunity once again. Um, it's my prayer tonight that the Lord will continually minister unto us and the Holy Spirit will shed abroad in our hearts. So we are going to be the best of His word. Amen. All right. So, um, all too soon. Today happens to be a final episode on a wonderful series that we began that's on love. And I believe we've learned a lot over the past um four weeks yeah today being the fifth week and so much has been said and the import of the reasons why we do the series with the previous ones that we've done the ones that we are doing and the ones that we are going to do is not for us to just gather head knowledge or just cram scriptures into our head but we do these things to help us live out the scriptures, as Paul said, that we are living epistles. So this series that we've been doing is there to help us live out or become living epistles, living testaments of what the Word of God says. So even as we journey through our series, let's 
pray that the Lord will grant us grace to be able to manifest whatever we talk about. All right. Tonight, we want to conclude on our subject and then the title for tonight's message is The Greatest is Love. And the message for today might not necessarily center on that topic. I just want to exhort us for tonight because I know a lot has been learned. Even though we have barely scratched the surface of the subject here, there's a lot to learn from scripture. Yeah, And this series can continue for maybe a year or decades and still there will be more to learn. I believe this is the timely message that the Spirit of the Lord wants us to know for now. Okay, so tonight will be just a short exhortation and then we'll pray. All right, so I want us to look at this um, subject. The first one I want us to talk about is that love chastises and then reproves. These are some of the things that I left out in our previous episode, so I just want us to look at them and then you draw down the curtains on the series. So love chastises and then reproves. Yeah, so I believe when we talk about chastise and reproof, chastise has to do with discipline. Yeah, so as children, most of us have experienced the discipline that our parents take us through. Yeah, when you come to an African setting and we have, or you know that a lot of children are being spanked by their parents. But I think it's not much done in the European world. Yeah. So um, chastising is do a better part of love. It is very important and it's very essential. And the scriptures that we're reading will help us to understand why love has that dimension. And it's important because the Bible makes us understand that if we don't have that dimension of chastising and then reproving, that the disciplinary aspect of love, then one way or the other, our love would not be complete. So I want us to read from the book of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Okay, I'm reading from the Easy English version. Um, The Bible says, If you do not punish your son, you do not love him. If you do love him, you will punish him. So I think this is quite straightforward. It says, If you do not love your son, or if you do not punish your son, then you do not love him. But if you love your son, then definitely you are going to punish your son. Yeah. So for the children, we have to understand that when our parents are punishing us or when they are disciplining us, it's not because they hate us or they just want to flex their muscles after they've come back from work or something. But it's also another dimension of love that they are trying to show to us. That if indeed they love us, they will try to correct us so that we do not depart from the way. As the Bible said, that we should train our children in the way, and when they grow up, they do not depart from that part. Yeah, so it's very expedient that we get to you know that discipline and then reproof or chastisement is part of love. Do it is better. It is very essential, and it makes love a holistic subject. Yeah. It comes together with all the aspects of love to make it holistic. So you can do all the aspects of love, but if the Bible was very emphatic that if you do not reprove or chastise your child, then definitely you do not love him. So it's very, very important. Okay. And 
it is also buttressed in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 and then verse 7. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 and then verse 7. I read, it says, For the Lord love, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as, as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So it's quite clear that if you are the son of God, then definitely you have to get ready for chastisements and then discipline. And the Bible is also saying that if the Lord does not deal with you, then you are not a son. And he's even asking that which son is not being disciplined by his father. So it's very, very clear that once we are the children of God and God loves us we should know that god is going to straighten us up with discipline so not just with god but also with men so as if you say you love somebody then you should get to the point where you'll be able to reprove that person when the person is going off the line yeah if you have a friend you have brothers and sisters and they are doing things and you do not bring them back by Reproving them, not necessarily. Um, let's see if you are co-equal the person or between the person or anything. That will be how you are going to address the issue to tell the person the truth, so that the person will be able to know his fault and then move back to the right path. And we see such an incident. I post about whom people say he was, and they began to give various answers. Some were saying that he's a prophet. Others were saying that he's one of the men of old and the whole lot. And then Peter, by the Spirit of the Lord, answered and said that he is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ prayed him that flesh and blood had not revealed this to him, but his Father who is in heaven. And then immediately after, okay, from the book of Mark, it follows that part right after he had answered that in that scenario, Peter just drifted off. And I want us to see that. Mark chapter 8, verse 28. And he answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he answered unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should not tell no man. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and rejected of the elders, and of the chief priests and scribes, and be killed. And after three days arise, and he speak that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Yeah, so we just saw Peter speaking by the Spirit just some few minutes ago. And then after Jesus Christ began to talk about it, that Peter began to rebuke him. But Jesus Christ knew that Peter was not speaking from the Spirit of the Lord, but um, the devil had taken over. So Jesus Christ had to rebuke Peter and put him in the right place. Yeah, so that's an example of showing love that you're able to rebuke the person, no matter the rank of the person, no matter the things that the person has done. Once the person goes wrong, we have to rebuke or straighten up the person and we have ways of doing it yeah you don't just say it anyhow you want we have ways of addressing matters and then issues yeah
So you have to do it in such a way that it's not going to aggravate the issue at hand. So it's very important that we also learn how to address issues, even as we rebuke our colleagues and our friends. And I think there's also another incident in the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 and then 13. And that one was between the Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter. The book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. I want us quickly take a glance through that. Verse 11. It says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did it with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, in that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. As Paul was speaking about the incident that happened, that Peter came to him, and then as Paul was ordained to be a minister to the Gentiles, um, Paul was with the Gentiles. So when Peter came, he began to live with them. But we know that the Jews and the Gentiles had their differences, that the Jews did not have anything to do with the Gentiles. So when Peter came to Antioch, initially he used to live with them, but when later other Jews joined them, he became afraid and then they didn't want to show that he had or he was living with the Gentiles. So when Paul saw this and knew that Peter was acting out of hypocrisy and then fear, he had to pick him at his face. Yeah. He had to put him to the right path. Yeah. So it's very important that we get to understand this that disciplining and then chastising is a very important aspect of love and it makes love have that holistic manner. Yeah, so it's very important that we get to know that if we actually love our friends, our families, our colleagues, then we should be ready to chastise them and then reprove them and put them on the right path. And we should know how to address these issues so that they do not make the issues or fetch further matters that will make the issues um, too big to handle. And also in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus Christ was speaking. And he said that as many as I love, I rebuke and then chasten. Yeah, so there are many scriptures that talk about that dimension of love. That without rebuke and then chastisement or disciplining, love won't have its holistic manner. All right. So the next point I want to talk about is that love is indeed and not just words. I believe if we followed very carefully, we've given a lot of scenarios that point to this fact. Yeah, so when you talk about loving somebody, it shouldn't be just, oh, it is not from the way that you know that you love somebody, but actually it will be from the deeds or the things that you do that will show that love somebody so you don't even have to profess the love before we know that you actually love a person but from observation of your acts and then your deeds you can tell if you love a person you proclaim to love or not and there's this interesting scenario in the book of luke that i want us to take a glance at from the book of luke chapter 19 verse 1 to 10 and this one talks about the incident between Jesus and then Zacchaeus. I believe most of us are quite familiar with this scripture. Uh, we know Zacchaeus to be 
a tax collector. And in those days, the tax collectors were a sect of the most corrupt people in their time. Just that's in our time, most people see politicians to be corrupt. So in those days, the people who were in charge of the tax collectors and those government sectors were seen to be corrupt. So I just want us to touch on a few verses and then we'll move on. So, okay, from the verse 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Let's move to the verse 5. It says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all met saying that he was going to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. Yeah, so after Jesus Christ had offered to go and still abide in the house of Zacchaeus, the people around were quite amazed because Jesus Christ had already told them that he is the son of God. And the people were expecting that if Jesus Christ is actually the son of God, that he's not supposed to mingle with people of such character. Yeah, you're not supposed to mingle with corrupt people. But the people knew that the task collectors were actually corrupt people. Yeah, but Jesus Christ did not look at or listen to what they were saying. He knew what he was doing. So we just spoke to Zacchaeus that he wanted to stay in his house. From the verse 8, he says, And Zacchaeus stood and said, That was after Jesus Christ had gone to the house of Zacchaeus. This Zacchaeus student said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to the house, to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah, so this scripture also reveals a very important virtue that we've already looked at, that we are supposed to love our enemies. Jesus Christ had already stated that the Son of Man came not to be saved, but he came to save and to give his life as a ransom. Yeah. So Jesus Christ moved, or he went to the house of Zacchaeus, a sinner, or his enemy. And the interesting thing is that when Jesus Christ got to the house, they didn't preach, they didn't hold a crusade, they didn't do a revival. He just went to the house of Zacchaeus. And just by the love that he showed, or that act of just going to the house of Zacchaeus, it moved Zacchaeus to actually repent and even restore unto people that he had used some dubious means to cheat. And it's very, very interesting that it's not all the time that you have to speak to people, go for evangelisms and to say they are all very good, but when we look at this scenario, Jesus Christ just went to the house of Zacchaeus. People were lambasting him because he was going to the house of a sinner. But as I said, he knew what he was doing, and out of that act, it moved Zacchaeus to repent and then restore unto people that or make amends with people that he had offended. Yeah, so it's very important that we, we get to know this principle. Not all the time that we are supposed to speak to a person, preach to a person before the person can receive the message of the gospel. But out of the love that you show to the person, that alone can move the person to come to Christ. It's very important. Just the love that you show to the person. So we should 
consider those also. And I think it's a very effective way of evangelism, just by the way that you live. So you, you don't have to do a lot of talking and go and hire speakers and PA systems for crusade. They are all good and you are supposed to spread the gospel. But one efficient and effective way is to show love or love your enemies. And out of that act, you are going to win a lot of souls for Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, so in that quest also, as I said, that we are considering that love is not just in words, but it is in deeds. The book of James also makes us understand that principle very well. As James chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. I read, it says, What doth it profit, my brethren? Do a man say he had faith and have not works? Can faith save him? So, just a background info. This scripture talks about faith without works here. How faith and works work together. And we can apply it. Okay, before we read this, I want us to read the scripture. It makes us understand this one very well. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. So we come back to the James scripture. Yeah. It says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh love. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh love. Yeah, and the verses is on the ending part or the B part, which talks about faith which worketh by love. So we get to even understand that faith works by love. And if you do not have love, that means you are going to have a deficient faith. Your faith is going to lack in some way because faith or the engine of your faith is about your ability to express the love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So we are moving back to the scripture in the book of James chapter 2 verse 14. So even though it was talking about faith, how we can apply it to the subject of love. So James chapter 2 verse 14 says, What doth it profit, my brethren, do a man say he had faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath no works, is dead, being alone. All right, so this scripture is making us understand that you can't just say, or oh, the scenario that the example that he gave, that if you see your brother to be naked or somebody who is in need of food or any other thing, and you just say to the person that go in peace, be warm and be filled and you don't give the person anything, then how do you expect that person to have those words that you spoke to the person, that the person should be warm if the person does not have clothes, that the person should be filled if the person does not have any food to eat? Yeah, so it's trying to make us understand that faith works by works or deeds. So if you actually love your brother and you see that your brother is in need of something, then you have to in your capacity help the person or, or provide that thing that the person needs if you can yeah you can't just say what you want and then uh, you just go your way but if you actually love your brethren then your faith and your work should correlate 
So if you see that a person needs something, be it food, be it clothes, be it money, in any capacity that you can help the person, you have to do so. That is when you know that your faith is actually working. Yeah, so it's very, very important that we get to know this, that our love is not just in words, but it has to be in deeds. And as Christians, we are mostly fond of this thing, that you can see that someone is suffering and the person needs help. Maybe sometimes it can be your roommate. Maybe you can see the person is uh, provision that the person has is finished. The person does not have any food, and you know you can help the person, but you just do your eye and then you'll be at your corner. And it, it does not speak well of us. And yeah, as I said previously, that our love or Jesus Christ by just showing love to Zacchaeus, he was able to win him and then cause him to repent. Yes, that's in the same way we'll be able to show love to the people around us. We won't have to preach to them before they come to Christ, but our act of love will win a lot of souls for Christ. Yeah. So I want to entreat us that we should make sure that our love and our deeds go hand in hand so that we do what the word of God says. All right. So the next point I want us to consider is about the rewards of the love of God. The rewards that the love of God gives us. Yeah, so let's read from the book of First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, I read it says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Yeah, so the apostle was speaking about the things that God has prepared for us. And he's saying those things, our eyes have not seen them, our ears have never heard them, and even our minds or even our hearts have not even imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And it is going to be a nice or when we meet the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Because what we are going to see is beyond our wildest imagination and our minds do not have the capacity to fathom it. You can't imagine it in any way. And it's the very glorious reward that the Lord has for us. To the extent that Apostle is saying that our eyes have never seen it and our ears have never heard it. And it's beyond our wildest dream and any imagination you have of any um, utopic experience. Um, all right, yeah. So when you also read from Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen. Okay, let me start from the verse sixteen. It says, "For which cause we faint not, but do our outward man perish? Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory." As Christians, Jesus Christ said that we go through persecutions. He said, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. So the persecutions and the trials and temptations are going to come every day. But Apostle is saying here that all these trials are bad for a moment. And when you compare them to the weight of glory that is awaiting us, it says, it exceeds them to a much greater extent. Yeah, you can't compare the suffering that you are going through now to the weight of glory that you are going to receive. It is an understatement to 
compare what you are going through to what you are going to receive. Yeah, so we need to have that hope that the suffering and the pain that we go through now, they are not in vain. But the Lord is going to reward us far more exceeding than what we are going through in this world. And also in Romans, he speaks about it again. And he says, this is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I reckon that the sufferings of these present times are not ready to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So in the previous one, he talked about the suffering lasting for just a moment. And it is quite fascinating. And he is talking about the suffering not being ready. So you can't even compare what you are going through and the reward that you are going to get. It's it's a mismatch, yeah. It's like, um, let's say, your father asks you to sweep a room and after you are done sweeping the room, your father will buy you an estate with mansions in it, with cars and, yeah, we know sweeping to be just a menial job. But after you, you sweep, your father gives you this um, big reward. Uh, it's just a mismatch. And even this scenario is not even ready to be compared to what the Lord is going to reveal unto us when we get to meet the Lord. Yeah. So I just want to entreat that, that we should continue in the spirit of love and we should not lose hope. We should not lose um or we should not faint in the thing that we are doing. But we have to know that each and everything that we are doing, the Lord is going to reward us and the reward would exceed every imagination of the best things that we can dream of yeah so even as i bring today's episode to a close i want us to look at the sum total of everything that we've studied so far what is the import and this is captured in the book of ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 to 20. okay this was actually a prayer that Um, Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus and it starts, the prayer actually starts from the verse 14. It says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to skip to the verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that he being rooted and grounded in love. Yeah, so the essence is for us to have faith and then also be rooted and then grounded in love so that we become unmovable and then unshakable in the acts of love that we profess and in the deeds that we are supposed to do. Verse 18 says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which surpasses or which passes knowledge that he might be filled with the fullness of God. So Paul is trying to say that he's making this prayer for the saints or for the church, the people or the Ephesians. And he wants them first to have faith in their hearts or faith should dwell in their hearts. And also the ones or he expects them to be rooted and then grounded in love and also, he wants them to be able to understand or comprehend the length, the breadth, so every dimension of the love of God, which passes every knowledge that he might be filled with the fullness of God. So it is when we have been able to come to the understanding of 
the love of God. That is when we'll be able to have the fullness of God in our life. So love is very, very important. That if we miss the subject or the imports or the essence of love, then we should expect that we are not going to be filled with the fullness of God. And we know that in the same book, Ephesians chapter 4, talked about how Jesus Christ, when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And this gift was for the maturing of the church, for the equipment of the saints, to, for us to come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of the Christ. Yeah. So the essence is to become like Jesus Christ. So if we get to know and understand love, that is when we're able to attain this measure. So I just want to entreat us that love is very important and we can't live the Christian life without love. Once you take the Christian or once you take love out of the Christian life, take the whole chunk of it and the Christian life will definitely be deficient. Yeah. So even as I end, I want us to ponder over the scripture that's in the book of First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 13 that talks about love being the greatest of all this is and now abided faith hope charity these three but the greatest of these is charity or the greatest of these is love yeah, so i just want us to ponder over the scripture after everything that we've studied so far and by the help of the holy spirit i know he's going to lead us to understand why the apostle is saying that love is the greatest among hope and then faith yeah and before i end i want us to ask ourselves this question that is in the book of john chapter 21 verse 15 to 17. i think most of us are quite familiar with the scripture as well jesus christ was speaking to peter after he had risen from the dead so um, Jesus Christ was speaking to Peter, but I want us to personalize the scripture so you can put your name there. So I'll put my name there when I see Simon Peter. All right. So he says, so when they had died, Jesus said, so I'll put my name there. Jesus said unto Benjamin, that Benjamin, son of Ebenezer, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said to him again the second time, Benjamin, son of Benazar, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Benjamin, son of Benazar, lovest thou me? And Benjamin was grieved because he said unto him that third time lovest thou me and he said unto him lord thou knowest all things thou knowest i love thee jesus said unto him feed my sheep yeah so when you are reading the scripture just put your name there and just picture that scenario jesus christ is asking you this question this very day that do you actually love him if you love him then that is the command says feed the lamb and there are so many ways that you can understand the scripture and i pray that the lord will grant us understanding yeah so as i said in the beginning we barely scratched the surface of this subject and 
we can go on and on and there's much to be learned from the scriptures but it is what the spirit of the lord has helped us to glean from the scriptures and i know that is going to help us understand the subject of love so god bless us all for our audience and i would allow my friends to come in and give their commentary thank you very much god bless us all God bless you too. Thank you so much for the five weeks of sharing with us your thoughts on love. We just want to spend some time in prayer. We just want to tell God for grace that we will not grow weary in walking in love. Galatians 6, 9 tells us that do not be weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap if only you faint not. And it's very easy to throw in the towel. It's very easy to become careless. It's very easy not to give all diligence in working in love. But tonight, God through his word is reminding us that it's our lifestyle. It's something that we should not grow weary in doing. It's something that it should be our habit because it is our nature. But many times, maybe after I've heard the word, you become more conscious. And tomorrow when you go to work or when you go to school, you begin to smile to everybody. You're always willing to give people a helping hand. We try to be nice and tolerate people. We say, oh, love suffers long. I want to suffer long. But after five days, <laughs> it's as though you have never had a teaching on love. It's as though you have never been told that the love of God has been shared about in your heart. So we just want to pray that the Holy Spirit will continually remind us and He would energize us that we will never go weary in showing love. It's just as in the relationship or between a man and a woman when they are dating. Both of them are full of energy and full of love. But a few years down the line, it is as though they were two strangers that were forced to marry themselves. Or at a point, your body, you just want to throw in the towel. You just don't want to keep paying the price. But I want to ask of God, the Father, from today, in the month of March, in the year 2021, may I continually fan into flame the truth that we have been called into a life of love. Father, grant us the grace in the name of our Lord Jesus, that we would walk in love every day of our life, that from today henceforth, love would be an obvious manifestation. Love would be our obvious branding. May we not get tired in being kind. May we not get tired in being patient with people. May we not get tired in forgiving people. May we not get tired in believing the good in people. May we not get tired in hoping the best of people. May we not get tired in not rejoicing in the good, but rejoicing in only that which is good. May we not get tired in showing love. May we not get tired in giving. May we not get tired in bearing up one another. May we not get tired in showing love. May we not get tired towards our spouse. May we not get tired towards our partner. May we not get tired towards our roommates. May we not get tired towards our family members. Father, for those of us that have given up, that have thought that to what end is there in, in forgiving, in always playing this, in always picking the second place. But Father, this evening we pray for grace. We pray that the Holy Spirit that you have sent to us to always remind us and to lead us into all truth will continually remind us that that moment when we want to give up, that moment when we want to stop being kind, that moment when we want to stop sowing the seeds of love, Father, may you remind us that it is in due season that we will receive our reward. Father, continually fan into fame this truth in our lives. Continually grant us the grace to continually sow the seeds of love. Because we know that sowing time is always a time of tears. But the harvest time is a time of joy. 
We pray that we will not grow weary in walking in love. We pray that we will not grow weary in giving you our best. We pray that we be consistent in our Christian life. We pray that from 10 years from today, 20 years from today, 30 years from today, may love still be boiling in our hearts. May we never get tired. May we never grow weary. May we never faint in this journey. For it is a daily work with our Father. It's a daily encounter with our Father. It's a daily effort to continually renew our mind. Father, we pray for everyone that is feeling a bit more careless, that wants to relax the rules a bit, that wants to blur the lines a bit. Somebody who wants to just say yes when you're supposed to say no. Father, I pray for everybody listening that we will hold on a bit more, that we will hold on a bit more, that we will push on a bit more, that we will keep being kind, that we will keep pushing on. Because it is He that endures to the end that shall be saved. It is He that keeps loving to the end that shall be rewarded. It is He that keeps making the effort to give God His best that will be rewarded. May we not be among them that only starts but never ends. But the purpose of the race is to finish the race. We pray, Lord, that You would continually be with us. Thank You that You have said. Therefore, we can boldly say, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will never withhold your grace from us, that you never withhold your strength from us. And as long as you live, as long as you keep loving us, we continue to love the brethren. We thank you for your words, for indeed they are life to those who find it, and they are medicine to our flesh. Thank you for dispensing life to us this evening. Thank you for releasing energies into us this evening. As Ezekiel said, that his spirit entered into me as he spoke this word. We thank you that as your words were being communicated, your spirit, your energies were being deposited in us. And we are waking up tomorrow full of life, full of energy to keep walking in love. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for tattooing our face on the palms of your heart. Thank you for not growing weary in loving us. Thank you that you have transformed us, that your love has transformed us. We thank you and we cease not to give thanks for love amazing, so sweet. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. God bless you all so much. Wow. God bless you for all those who have been asked for all the 44 episodes. It's never too late. Feel free to those another for any questions, any comments, anything you want to share with us. You would find us there. God bless you. And don't grow weary in listening to the word of God. For they are sweeter than honey and they are more precious than the choices that you Remember to give God your best. And to make sure that the rest of your life, you owe no man nothing but love. See you next week, even as we begin another new series. If God dies and continues to give us life. God bless you and bye-bye.